This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Morning. I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. At this time of year when we give thanks, for some of us, it's time itself we're most grateful for. For those battling life-threatening illnesses, just living to see another holiday surrounded by family and friends is reason enough for gratitude. This morning, Lee Cowan is talking with a couple engaged in this very battle while also fighting to make certain advances in medical research and access to cutting-edge therapies reach every patient in need. As the Thanksgiving weekend comes to a close, we offer a family who should deserve all our thanks. When you look at it, do you ever step back and just think to yourself how far you've come, not only physically, but all the stuff you've done for thousands of people? I do almost every day. The disappointments, the victories, and the grace of battling a terminal disease. Coming up on Sunday morning. Most of us may think recycling our discarded electronics is a process that's clean and green. But Seth Doan explains that in reality, it can be a dirty, even dangerous business. 
If Black Friday or Cyber Monday have you thinking about buying or gifting electronics... Why does all this waste come to Ghana? Well, what you see here is the dangerous consequence of the world's insatiable demand for electronic gadgets. We journey to Ghana to see how, in addition to the price tag, there's another real cost to consider when buying that new phone or TV. Later, this Sunday morning. Also this morning, contributor Josh Seftel's mom offers her take on artificial intelligence. Mark Phillips talks with the noted director behind movies like Gladiator and the newly released Napoleon, Ridley Scott. Robert Costa explores the merging of politics and religion with author Tim Alberta, plus commentary on Congressman George Santos' growing woes, and more on this Sunday morning for the 26th of November, 2023. We'll be back after this. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Imagine grappling with what's diagnosed as an incurable illness and being denied access to promising medical advancements that could save your life. Lee Cowan catches up with a couple on a mission, fighting the good fight. The first time we met Brian Wallach, mm -hmm. good job. we feared mm -hmm. it might be our last. Mm -hmm. He was already four years into a diagnosis of amyotrophic mm -hmm. lateral sclerosis, or ALS, a rare and incurable disease that on average takes patients in two to five years. But we're pleased to say that this past summer, Brian and his wife, Sandra Abravaya, invited us back to their home outside Chicago. You were like really big on Cool Ranch Doritos for a time. <laughs> With their two daughters, now six and eight, the family just celebrated their sixth Thanksgiving since the diagnosis. Only about 20% of ALS patients ever achieve that kind of longevity. I have been progressing. But the good news is, I'm still here. How much has that extra time meant? It's everything. As ALS does, it's been slowly killing off the nerves that move Brian's muscles, including those for speech. 
So sometimes a smile and a wink will just have to do. <laughs> really good at winking. That's true. But even a soft-spoken Brian is a force to be reckoned with. So when I was a prosecutor... Although he might need round-the-clock care, Brian is still pushing as hard as he ever did, working long days, taking long trips, all to keep his promise to improve the lives of ALS patients everywhere. That work all began back in 2019, when Brian and Sandra launched I Am ALS, a grassroots movement that has given ALS patients a voice in their own care. Let me get everyone on. Thank you. Brian and Sandra had once been staffers in the Obama administration, so they pretty much knew their way around Washington. I'm here to ask you to see us, to hear us. And almost right out of the gate, IMALS was instrumental in helping increase federal funding for research by $83 million. And that, is and that helped launch dozens of clinical trials for new ALS therapies. I'm going to start with the big ones. Two more. But Brian himself didn't qualify for those clinical trials. Doctors thought he wouldn't live long enough anyway to benefit. Basically, they treat you like it's a straight line to palliative care, and they tell you to get your affairs in order and prepare to die. One of the most promising was an experimental therapy called AMX0035. Brian was taking some of the ingredients, but he couldn't get his hands on the drug itself because the FDA hadn't approved it. We are facing a disease that's 100% pedal. And we are willing to take those risks. Just like a political campaign, Brian started firing up supporters for a bill that he later helped write called Act for ALS. So the thinking behind Act for ALS is use this funding to pay for this group of patients to get access to the drug before it's officially approved by the FDA. At the time that Brian was- In the summer of 2021, Brian sat next to Sandra in a Capitol Hill hearing room, in tears. When you sat down, you really kind of lost it. I was overwhelmed by the sense of responsibility that I felt to other patients. We want to live. You have the power to make that possible. It was a long and difficult fight. Giving unapproved therapies to terminally ill patients was an idea fraught with moral pitfalls. And yet... The eyes do have it. The bill's passed. <laughs> this is my fight song. Act for ALS became law funneling more than $100 million a year for the next five years to various ALS initiatives. For once, Brian is speechless. We're sort of in shock. If it all sounds like a Hollywood plot point, well, you're not far off. Their friend Chris Burke began working on a documentary he called No Ordinary Campaign. Pop star Rachel Platten was so moved, she let them use her single fight song as the soundtrack. Brian Waller and his wife, Sondra, I say hi to you both. They turn their pain into purpose. But the change Brian and Sondra are affecting didn't end where the documentary does. We're going to make real progress. Again, thank you all. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you Mr. President. No, I've still got a lot of value left in me.
In fact, their newest fight is helping ALS patients get better access to specialists. We tried to change the way that doctors were practicing medicine in neurodegenerative diseases, and we hit a wall, and so we started our own medical practice. It's called Synapticure, a for-profit telemedicine practice that gets people with a host of neurological diseases, including ALS, the care they need faster. The Food and Drug Administration approved a new therapy for ALS. Those treating ALS now have more options than they've had in decades. The FDA has approved two more therapies for ALS, including that one that Brian had been denied when we first met him. This is the drug that we were fighting for FDA to approve. Yeah. And it's here. AMX0035, now called Relivrio, tastes pretty awful, he says, but he thinks it's made a huge difference. We credit Brian being as healthy as he is, relatively speaking, to the fact that we were one of the first people who found a way to at least take a portion of this drug for years. The other newly approved therapy is Tofersen, now under the brand name Calcity. In 2019, Chris Snow got access to it as part of a clinical trial for his rare inherited form of ALS. I don't necessarily feel like myself or look like myself when I act like myself. Chris was given just six months to a year to live, but he was still going strong more than four years later. And his wife Kelsey had no doubt it was because of the drug. The quality of life that this has given us is really a miracle. They shouted to the rafters how active Chris had remained. <laughs> as recently as last summer, they were posting pictures of him mowing the lawn out on a boat. If you can see and care about my family and that makes you care about this cause, that's what I'm going for. They were as optimistic as they come until Chris went into cardiac arrest two months ago and never recovered. A loss that hit Brian and Sandra hard. But it's also emboldened them to fight even harder. Brian is so defiant that even though his legs are uncooperative, he still pushes himself to walk. And every day he gets to try, he says, gives science another day to take its steps forward to find a lasting remedy. And Brian says he's bound and determined to be here when that happens. How do you stay so positive knowing that there is no cure? And you just keep pushing forward. I have hope that I can be a part of the first generation to actually survive ALS. We all hope he's right. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. 
just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. As the actual son of a preacher man, it's hardly a surprise journalist Tim Alberta has a personal take on the growing intersection of faith and politics. He's talking with our Robert Costa. Pretty amazing. Goodwill Church in New York's leafy Hudson Valley is a special destination for the Atlantic's Tim Alberta. There's something so deeply familiar about this place, it's hard to describe. This is where his family's faith journey began. You know, my parents always described this church as holy ground for our family. Tim's father, Richard Alberta, was once a pastor on this pulpit after becoming a born-again Christian here nearly 50 years ago. I don't know where he sat. I don't know what the sermon was that day, but something happened. A guy who'd been an atheist for years, you know, decided that he was going to give his life to Jesus. Now that's you in Sunday school class out here at Cornerstone. The Alberta family later moved to Michigan, where Tim's father led Cornerstone Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Your life was Cornerstone. My life was completely wrapped up in the church. It was the sun around which we as a family revolved. It was our, our whole world. But Tim Alberta sought a career in journalism, writing about politics. His father urged him to stay grounded, including in a 2019 chat he'll never forget. He keeps saying to me, don't spend your whole career around these people. There are so many other stories. And that was one of the last conversations we had. Days later, Tim's dad suddenly died. When I come home to my church, I'm expecting, I guess, um, something different from what I got. While some offered consolation, Alberta also got confrontation from some conservative church members, objecting to his reporting on then-President Donald Trump. A lot of folks right there at the viewing just they wanted to argue about politics they you know they wanted to know if i was still a christian and my dad's in a box like 100 feet away the church wasn't a sanctuary from politics politics was now part of the church that's right i knew that to some degree and in fact i willfully ignored it alberta's reckoning with faith and politics is the basis for his new book the kingdom the power and the glory which documents what he calls an age of extremism for evangelicals. There was a real crisis in the American church, specifically a crisis in the white evangelical church. About a quarter of American adults identify as evangelical. And as the Republican presidential race heats up, nearly 70 percent of white evangelicals are supportive of Trump. Alberta says that reflects a shift away from norms in the GOP, and in the church. We should think about the American church almost in parallel to American politics. When it gains enough influence, when it gains enough power, the fringe can overtake the mainstream. And that's what we've seen happen in the church. The convulsions in today's churches come after decades of evangelicals gaining influence. Do you love God? Do you love him with all your heart? With all your soul? from Billy Graham's stadium crusades to the stadium rallies of Donald Trump. 
But you know, we have our Christian conservatives for Trump today, and they're in the room. Let's go. In recent years, evangelicals have had debates over the response to COVID and to Trump, all while many key Republicans count themselves as one of them. What do people say about politics? That's bad, that's dirty. I mean, what do they say to you about politics? Don't get involved. Back at Goodwill Church, senior pastor John Torres, who used to work with Tim's dad, is uneasy about the shadow of politics over his church and others. I don't want somebody who's sitting there listening to me preach, you know, whatever their views are. I want them to stay put. I want to talk to them about Jesus. I don't want to talk to them about politics. I don't, because I don't really know what I can offer them in terms of politics. Other evangelicals don't mind politics and see this moment as an affirmation of hard-won power. What do you say to evangelical leaders who might hear your argument and say, you missed the point. Trump wins for evangelical Christians. He wins for conservative Wins America. what? Supreme Court seats, a seat at the table at the White House. Show me where in Scripture any of that matters. But it does matter to many of those standing with Trump as he once again seeks the White House. You had millions of evangelical Christians who voted for Donald Trump and just sort of gleefully embraced his terrible rhetoric and his unchristlike conduct. Why did they gleefully embrace it, to use your term? Power. Trump campaigned for president in 2016 promising that if he was elected, Christians would have power. And he gave it to them. He gave it to them in ways that arguably no American president has in modern history. And when you have power, you can very quickly lose sight of your principles, your values, even your beliefs. How's your faith? You know, honestly, it's never been better. Tim Alberta's faith in reporting is also strong, and he says that is his own calling. You and I were reporters. That's right. We're not supposed to be the story. I never wanted to be the story. Once you see this, you can't look away. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Why doesn't the hero reveal himself and tell us all your real name? You do have a name. My name is Gladiator. 
The acclaimed director of Gladiator and other movie classics has turned his attention to another great warrior. From Paris, Mark Phillips is in conversation with Ridley Scott. Prepare to fire! Fire! Any casual student of history knows how the story of Napoleon Bonaparte ends. Waterloo, 1815. After more than two decades of dominating European battlefields and European history, Napoleon was finally confronted by an enemy he couldn't outmaneuver, outgun, or outsmart. Never surrender for homeland and glory! Napoleon. That once obscure outsider from Corsica, the artillery officer who through ruthlessness and cunning rose to rule France and to conquer much of Europe, died defeated, in exile and alone. His remains now lie in this grand tomb in Paris, a testament to an emperor who brought glory and then destruction to his own country. But history and Hollywood aren't finished with him yet. Have you been to this place before? Have you been to no, the Invalid no, no, before? No, 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 no. Director Ridley Scott decided his epic take on Napoleon, played by Walking Phoenix, Action. would be less another history lesson and more a character study. Where do you start on a story as big as Napoleon? You've got 10,400 books to start. There's one book written every week since he died. By the time you get book thousand, dude, I think it's got to be a lot of speculation. So all these historians that have piled on you saying, you know, no, Marie no, 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 hair wasn't no, no, that long, I'm not, not going to walk into that death no. Are you <laughs> kidding me? So, sorry, beep. Uh, we then glean the best of the best. So I don't think it's a history lesson. I think it's a character study with violence, with action, with everything you've got. I think you've got everything in there. Wait. Let them think they have the higher ground. The history books are full of Napoleon's triumphs. Send them the infantry, take their position on the higher ground. But there was another aspect of his life that Scott thinks history hasn't stressed enough. Why are you staring at me? Am I? Mm. Yes. I was not. Oh, you weren't. Josephine the aristocratic widow who became Napoleon's obsession, wife, and empress. What was most telling were the letters of Bonaparte to Josephine, because mm. I wanted the centerpiece of the story not to be just about battles, but about why this Achilles heel toward this woman, which is not about sex, about social graces. She could lead him into a room where he didn't know how to walk. She could do that. You want to be great. She may have also been, according to Scott, the only person to tell him to his face what he really was. You are just a brute that is nothing without me. You make him out as a bit of a bumbler in his, in his love life. Well, bumbler on a personal level, but in the military level? No. Gifted. Right. But do you draw a connection between the two? We go back to this idea of the Napoleonic complex, that it's somehow compensation. The reputation is that he was a little man, and now we refer to little men with grander ambitions as having Napoleon. You know, I think that's the popular concept, but when he's that successful, who gives a <laughs> Are you joking? <laughs> Ridley Scott has no complex about his own success. 
Do you consider yourself a kind of bankable Hollywood grandee now? Like ever, that? Like that. Yeah, I wouldn't be allowed to do this. Are you kidding? The old geezer's doing this now. Mm. <laughs> Scott has a long list of epic movies that have become classics. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Gladiator. Alien. <laughs> Thelma and Louise. Officer, I am so sorry about this. Would you let go of that? Black Hawk Down. And Blade Runner, which bombed at the box office at first, but has become a cult classic. Has some of the stuff that you've done that you've liked best become some of the stuff that hasn't done quite so well if we're speaking in pure I, box office I like terms. everything I've done. You love everything. Everything. And so I think you're all wrong. It's no accident that Sir Ridley, as he now is, has always made movies with powerful and lasting visual imagery. He's a trained artist who has always sketched out on storyboards exactly how he wants his movies to look. That infamous creature birth scene in Alien looked like this before it looked like this. Those gladiators were drawn on paper before they hit the big screen. And that Waterloo battle scene took almost comic book form before the cameras rolled. The storyboards, he says, are what convinced investors to back his movies. That's the power of a storyboard, because the board... On the basis of, what, of the storyboard? On the board, the, the budget doubled. Hmm. They went, wow. Because they could see what it was going to look like. Yes. It, interesting. A lot of the business is run by those who can't see it and those who try to see it. Odd in the movie business, I suppose. <laughs> again and again. <laughs> hey, Marco. Ridley Scott is 85 now. He didn't make his first movie until he was 40, having made TV commercials before that. And he's already got two more projects underway. One of them, Gladiator 2. You gotta keep on doing this. I mean, yes. Yeah? You know? Wh why not? What do you got, I don't know, what do you got left to prove? Well, the fact that I love doing it, that's mm. the difference. You won a lot of awards, you famously haven't won an Oscar. So yeah, but so yeah. But, you know, I really don't care. No. I mean, I, to me, to be allowed to do it is the most important reward. Yeah. Um, I just love storytelling. Especially stories like this. The battle is mine. There will be an end to the war. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Maybe you talked about it over Thanksgiving dinner. Artificial intelligence. Stories about it are seemingly everywhere. Which brings us to Josh Seftel and his mom. Hello. Do you know what AI is? Artificial intelligence. What do you know about it? Not much. It's machines inventing things instead of human minds doing it. Artificial intelligence is quickly evolving. Systems from Google and Microsoft creating art. Even diagnosing some potentially deadly diseases. Google CEO Sundar Pichai told us society must quickly adapt. I don't like it. I don't like thinking about it. What scares you about AI? It could get out of control. Remember that movie, 2001? Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Maybe that could happen to you in your condo. What would take over? I don't know. How about my microwave? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I can do some AI right now. What do you mean? I could ask it to write a haiku. On Zoom's windowed gaze, mother and son bridge the code. AI whispers hope. Who wrote that? A computer. I liked it, (laughs) but it was really promoting AI. Yeah, kind of weird, right? Yeah. I can also do photos on AI. I just emailed it to you. Oh, wow. That's not now. What do you mean? It's a photo of me at another time with different clothes on. But it's it's, it's not you or me. A computer created that picture. Oh my God. What would you like to ask AI? How about a poem about all my grandchildren? What do you want to tell it? Do you wish you saw them more often or what? Yeah, I wish I could be with them more often. I'm proud of them. Oh, wow, it's ready. Okay. That fast? Across the miles, her heart does roam. Grandma Pat's love finds a warm home. Six grandchildren, a precious crew. From age two to 28, they grew. In her dream, she holds them tight. Their laughter and smiles bring pure delight. That was nice. Can you believe a computer wrote that in three seconds? Wow. So you do like AI. I like that, but I find it extremely frightening, even though it did a wonderful job. So you would say, let's put a hold on AI till we make sure we know what we're doing? Absolutely. Would you like to keep that poem? Yes. I mean, they already did it, so I might as well. How would you use AI? I, I don't think I would. Think of all the things you could do with it. You could write letters, get recipes. It can make your schedule for you. I want to ask you a question. If it can do all that, what would I be doing? (laughs) Yeah, good question. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) (laughs) 
What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Visceral, dramatic, uncompromising. The third-generation Range Rover Sport redefines sporting luxury and is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable model yet. Combining assertive on-road performance with signature refinement, Range Rover Sport communicates power and agility. Dynamic by design, it delivers an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure, while the purposeful cockpit-like driving position of Range Rover Sport sets the tone for a focused interior that promotes exhilarating driver engagement. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. As we begin the busiest time of year for shopping and gift-giving, you may be thinking about a new phone or laptop. This morning, Seth Doan asks, at what cost? These are not the images we see in the glossy advertisements enticing us to buy a new cell phone, laptop, or TV. But this should be part of the picture because this is where many of our electronics wind up. Strewn in mountains of garbage across acres of land, with tens of thousands of people sifting through it in places like this, the African nation of Ghana. We think a lot about where products come from when we buy them, less so about where they go when we're finished. One researcher told us when we throw things away, well, this is away. It's also home for Mohamed Awal, who supports his mother and four kids by working, despite the risks here, in this city of waste in Ghana's capital, Accra. What happens to your body in doing this work? If you see my body, call it. You have a cut, a wound, a here, scar. Yeah, you see. There's another scar there. This dangerous, difficult, and yes, dirty work is called urban mining. It's all about extracting something usable from the world's discarded electronics. They do it because there's treasure here, recovered in this case by sawing a monitor's circuit board. Incredibly, there's 100 times more gold in a ton of smartphones than a ton of gold ore. But finding it comes with a real cost. It's hazardous work and safety equipment is not exactly standard. Children as young as 10 toil and sometimes live amid this toxic garbage, desperate for a meager payday. You're selling this, this is all copper? Abdullah Ilias endures the sweltering heat to pluck out tiny pieces of copper. So this is maybe worth $3? The UN figures we produce around 50 million tons of electronic waste or e-waste every year. And this is not what's supposed to happen to it. Only 20% is formally recycled. The vast majority winds up in landfills or is dealt with informally. These places wouldn't exist without the demand for the materials they extract. 
Muntaka Chasant has been documenting the lives of those living on the margins. Here, what cannot be pried out is often burned to extract minerals. One of the ramifications of this is lead exposure among urban poor children. But he urged us to see this place with nuance. The reality is a murky, polluted gray. E-waste provides opportunities for upward social mobility. You're saying you can't just look at this as all bad because this is creating jobs. Absolutely. But this is also dangerous, polluting the environment. Sex, we've been having this same conversation for more than a decade now, and absolutely nothing has changed. While we've been talking, someone set a fire here. You look at the pollution that goes into the sky yes. behind you. Yes, this is what people in Accra have been living with. And just across here is the largest open food market in the city. When you burn, a lot of chemicals are released, poisonous chemicals. Anita Asamoah is an environmental chemist at Ghana's Atomic Energy Commission. She's not only a scientist. I'm a mother myself, and I wouldn't want to give poisonous substances to my baby. She'd seen the smoke wafting over homes and markets, and food is regularly sold in the open at the dump. So Asamoah wondered whether those toxins were so pervasive that they were even getting into the breast milk of mothers. What did you find when you examined this breast milk? PCBs. These are poisonous substances which can result in death, which can result in diseases like cancers. And infants are even more susceptible to these chemicals. These burdens are the consequence of consumption in a much richer West. What you see here is the, the result of the very, very short kind of cycles we have in using stuff. You buy something, you use it, you throw it away. And you throw it away. Boss Van Abel argues producers need to consider a product's end of life when designing it. Right now, we're incentivized to throw away stuff because it's cheaper to buy a new one than actually have it repaired. Van Abel is a Dutch activist turned entrepreneur whose investigations into mining practices led him to start a company called Fairphone. Its aim is to create a more sustainable phone and cut down on scenes like these. Unfortunately, phones and electronics are designed in a way that you can't really reuse components and parts of it. So what happens is that this whole product basically goes into the oven and you burn it and you get the minerals out of it. It's a very stupid process. What do you mean stupid process? Well, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of stupid to put something in an incinerator that's, that's put so much effort into making. Most of the footprint of a phone is in the making of it. So the best thing is to keep it as long as possible. It's a bit thicker. Than he showed us his fair phone, which he likens to Legos because of its removable modular parts. It pops right off. Yours to open, yours to keep. The battery is not glued in, making it simple and inexpensive to recycle or replace. It's the same for the camera lens and screen. Fairphone, which just launched in the U.S. and sells for up to $700 a piece, has half a million customers worldwide. Proof of concept, they say. Americans, on average, upgrade their cell phone every two and a half years. Fairphones are under warranty for five. If you use your phone twice as long, you need to produce only half the amount of phones and you have half the amount of electronic waste. It's a very simple calculation. Imprecise methods of recycling produce more waste, which leaches into the earth here. 
pollutants and microplastics run into a nearby river and the ocean. On the beach, we found plastics that were not exactly micro. Fishermen told us how their nets tear, because now their catch of the day often includes e-waste. The refrigerators, the laptops, it shouldn't be around the ocean. Causes harm. It's your waste, so don't just ship your waste to us and tell us that it's secondhand, you can use it. Come inside. Vincent Trey calls himself the graduate scrap dealer. He's a PhD who's been studying this dump and the old one nearby, known as Abloblochi, for more than a decade. I think a lot of people will watch this and be upset, but also feel powerless. What can people, consumers, a world away do? I believe strongly that those who are producing this, when they put these materials on their market, they are responsible for the end of life. We reached out to Apple, the largest mobile phone seller in the U.S. Apple did not make someone available to talk with us for this story. But Samsung, one of the largest electronics manufacturers in the world, invited us to their store in Palo Alto, California. Where does the responsibility lie here? In, in Ghana, we hear it's the producer. I think every uh, party in the entire value chain has some responsibility. Mark Newton is the head of corporate sustainability at Samsung US. He says every product is designed with the ultimate end of life in mind. This doesn't look like a place that's encouraging me to hold on to my phone longer. It looks like some place that's encouraging me to buy a new phone. Well, of course, we want to excite you with the newest technology. But what's cool now, we're making our highest performing products with 20% recycled plastics, 20% recycled glass, 20% recycled metals. In the back of the store, there's the first stage of a recycling operation. Samsung takes back electronics of any brand. Samsung has recycling centers internationally in something like 50 countries, but in Africa, the only one is in South Africa. Why not in Ghana, Nigeria, these places where we know the need really exists? I think that we're really leaning into that now. So we've fairly recently recognized that and in, in made a significant commitment to expand our collection network globally. But this recycling effort is largely self-policed in the United States. The U.S., the most wasteful country per capita on Earth, is not part of this very important treaty. America has not ratified an agreement that 191 other countries support. Basel Convention is the treaty that was supposed to deal with this phenomenon of uh, hazardous waste suddenly flowing to developing countries. And there is a strong lobby that is happy to have no trade restrictions on waste. Jim Puckett founded the Basel Action Network, a watchdog group which pushes for proper recycling. Once the rich countries realized, oh my God, we got a problem with hazardous waste, the price went up for properly managing it, and so the export trade took off. Sending tons of hazardous waste to the developing world, much of it getting through customs under the guise of being repairable. Why Ghana? We have issues of compliance and enforcement. Open the truck. Vincent Trey now runs a recycling initiative, Mountain Research Institute, at the dump site. This is a small project, but it is one possible solution. They buy cables to incentivize people not to burn them. There is a real gray area here. These are important jobs. These are livelihoods. Should I sit down and not eat because if I burn, somebody will die? 
if I don't bend, I will also die. So it was not a question of, why don't you close down the place? It was rather a question of, how do you do this better? This metal can be reused. Trace Group is now building a partnership with Fairphone. Boss Van Abel started focusing on the problems of mining these materials on the front end and wound up realizing much more can be done to save what's already been pulled from the earth. The whole energy transition needs all these minerals that are found in mines. So the best thing to do is also make sure that we can get recycled sources so that we don't get the minerals only from mines, but actually take it back from the products that we already use. It's all about mining the precious materials we've carelessly cast aside and managing our garbage with less waste. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Our commentary comes from journalist Mark Chisano, author of The Fabulist, the saga of disgraced New York Congressman George Santos. 2023 was a season of chaos in the House of Representatives, a cartoon of what a legislative body is supposed to be. A speaker has not been, speaker elected. Has not been, speaker elected. Has not been elected. Through it all, we've had a mascot for the messiness, and his name is George Santos. Embattled Congressman George Santos pleaded not guilty today. Santos is the Republican congressman from New York who made up virtually everything on his resume. Fake Wall Street jobs, fake college credentials, fake volleyball championship. He even told tall tales about being Jewish and saving dogs. 
and he now stands accused of stealing money from donors. Yet none of this became widely known until after his That's election. It. I think he should be thoroughly investigated. How did this con man get a seat in Congress? And what made him lie so promiscuously? From the time that he was dressing in drag in Brazil, working in a dreary New York call center, or charting his political rise on Long Island, Santos was skillfully angling for more money and celebrity. But it was the weakness of America's institutions that allowed Santos to go undetected. Most local media outlets were stretched too thin to expose this fabulous in time. Democrats were overconfident of winning, and Republicans shrugged, allowing the newcomer to win and keep his seat for cynical, political, and fundraising reasons. It was not surprising that the GOP stuck with Santos for so long, given that the party's leader, Donald Trump, paid no price for his own litany of lies. It's a scam. Political interference. Santos mimicked Trump's brazen behavior. I'm not here for the cameras. I'm here to support the president of the United States who's being unfairly attacked. Taking advantage of our political moment, which rewards bluster and exaggeration. The reality is, is it's a witch hunt. Santos now says he won't seek re-election and is facing expulsion after a devastating report from the House Ethics Committee. But the accountability is only beginning for him and for Trump. I, I, I'm done with you. In the meantime, Santos's wild and wildly entertaining story is a reminder of what happens when lying becomes a way of life. Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning. If you like CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. I've been a reporter for more than three decades, and along the way, I've been talking to myself in notebooks I've carried in my back pocket. They've captured thoughts about life, parenthood, death, friendship, and more. I'm John Dickerson, and I'd like you to join me in figuring out what these 30 years of notebooks mean in my new podcast, Naval Gazing. Each episode, we dig through the piles of notebooks that I've been collecting, and from their entries, try to sort out what makes a life. This collection of audio essays is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert. And I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And, and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> respond too quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. <laughs> sure, I responded to everything because responding to you, putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.